We all know the world of energy and natural resources is changing fast. People are demanding action on the climate crisis. Businesses and politicians are throwing their weight behind the energy transition. And technology is reshaping the world as we know it. But we must ensure the result doesn't become too complex and too confusing. That's where the Climate Transition Podcast comes in. In this series, DLA Piper's Energy and Natural Resources team speaks to special guests to help you make sense of it all. My name is Natasha Luther-Jones. I'm the global co-chair of the Energy and Natural Resources sector here at DLA Piper. I'm also co-head of our International Sustainability and ESG offering. And I am your host for the series. Today we ask, does energy need a digital transformation too? Digital technology is all around us. The last 18 months have been tough and we've been staring at our screens more than ever. But let's take a second to appreciate too that most of us have been able to keep working because of digital technology. In this episode, we're going to look at the digital infrastructure that helps to keep the electrons and the data flowing. How much change have we seen in digital systems that are needed to support the energy transition? And how much more change will we need to see? To help me answer this, I'm joined by Brian Case. Brian works for GE Renewable Energy, which is part of the General Electric Company. GE Renewable Energy has installed more than 400 gigawatts of clean renewable energy worldwide. Brian joined GE in 2006 through a military veterans transition program. He began his GE career developing wind, solar and gas projects in the Americas and then joined GE Ventures in 2014 to launch a distributed energy resource business. In 2017, Brian joined GE Renewables to lead digital product development. Welcome, Brian. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to be here today. I think this is um, this is a really hot topic in the industry um, when we think about you know kind of digital transformation and and the change that's going on within the energy landscape at whole. Um, so really exciting time uh, to to really talk through some of the topics that we have today. So Brian, um, what does your role as a chief digital officer entail? You know, as CDO for uh, GE Renewable Energy, um, we really want to lead uh, the renewable energy uh, transition. And, and focus on optimizing performance and operations through intelligent and secure software solutions for our customers and, and for our service business. So we kind of segment this into four key value streams. Um, we start off with connect, analyze, fix, and secure. When we think about connect, we really look at all of those offerings that are you know, focused on what's happening on-premise. So at the asset itself and really in real time, um, everything from the, the SCADA system uh, that actually controls the, the asset at the farm level, um, as well as different edge compute uh, capability that we want to be able to deploy. Um, in Analyze, we kind of take all of that data and everything that's happening in real time at the site, and we move it uh, into the cloud um, to curate insights. And we really want to take those insights and really understand performance, uh, where there are opportunities to improve that performance and optimize uh, how that asset is, is operating over its, over its life cycle. Um, but insights really only bring generate so much value. You have to be able to turn those insights into action. And that's really where our fixed um, product portfolio comes in. 
And through Fix, we really try to take those insights and, and turn them into actions by deploying content, deploying mobile capability, um, and different uh information that's going to be beneficial for technicians that are operating in remote locations around the world um, to be able to keep those assets up and running uh, again in real time. And then lastly, secure. Um, you know, security is really critical to, uh, to energy infrastructure. And we want to make sure that we're enabling our customers um, to operate not only compliantly, um, according to the different global regulations, but also protect um, against different threats that may come in um, to to their uh, you know their cybersecurity uh, at the asset level. Great. Um, I think I got all that. I'm not a technology lawyer, but I think I followed the service divisions of connect, analyze, fix, and secure. Um, so in those sort of work streams service lines, what problems do you help clients sort um, solve? Yeah, our customers are really focused on three key things, um, and and really at the business level, it's increasing revenue it's reducing cost, and it's reducing risk. And we have lots of different types of customers that, that want to do that in, in different ways. And uh, we really offer solutions that, that align to the, the customer's operational strategy. So for our customers that really want to offset risk, um, especially those that are financial players uh, specifically in, in, the, in the market, um, we offer really outcome guarantees through service contracts. And we will take as G Renewable Energy certain risk and uh, then in that case, we use our products to really help us manage that risk, to manage the, uh, the experience with the customer, and to really optimize that performance of that asset uh, on behalf of the customer. So we're doing this today across 20,000 wind turbines in 40 countries with thousands of field technicians that are out operating um, those, those assets um, to really help those customers manage that risk. But then we also have customers that are perfectly keep, uh, um, uh, aligned to um, managing that risk on their own, in which case they really want to self-perform that O&M uh, at the asset itself, in which case we then take the same uh, tools and content that we've developed and curated for, for our service portfolio, and we bring that to our customers to really help them um, to run those, those assets as efficiently as they possibly can. That's a big portfolio across many jurisdictions, um, 20,000 turbines. So um, digital transformation of digital technology is definitely going to be needed for that, I'm sure. And I look forward to um, hearing more about that later on. But just going back to the intro, um, and we described your history and career at um, GE. So you're now in GE Renewable Energy. Um, how important is that division to General Electric as a whole? Well, Larry Culp, who's our CEO, has, has spoken publicly about the strategy of GE, and it's really aligned around three key things. Um, the future of flight, which is GE Aviation, um, Precision Health in our GE healthcare business, and the energy transition that is going on uh, amongst us at the moment. And, and that's really three core businesses. So you have uh, GE Renewable Energy, GE Power, and GE Digital that are all focused in supporting that energy transition uh, for our customers. And we're really in the decade right now of, of uh, renewables and seeing rapid, rapid growth um, across our renewable portfolio and, and companies making commitments um, to decarbonize and uh, in really bringing all of these things together um, across the portfolio of the different GE companies is really going to help our customers uh, manage through this, uh, this transition. So GE Renewable Energy is, is at the heart of this, working in partnership with our colleagues and some of the other businesses. Um, but it's, it's a key driver for us as we at G Renewables focus to really bring down 
the cost of wind, solar, and, and energy storage technologies. And then in my portfolio specifically, really helping those assets to, to be optimized to, to their peak performance um, as they're out and you know, running over their life cycle. So you mentioned then about the costs falling, and that's been a key focus in um, reducing the costs and the life cycle performance of wind, solar and storage. Um, are they the biggest changes you've seen since you've been in G Renewables in your career? Um, is it the falling costs? Well, I think there's really two. And I think almost without a doubt, I could say over the last 15 years, I mean, cost is really at the heart of it. If I if I just remember back to my, my first few uh power projects that I developed. Um, I, I remember, you know, in solar almost being the most dramatic, um, those solar prices were around $100 a megawatt hour um, in order to finance and, and move, uh, move a solar project forward. Um, and today across wind and solar, we're seeing those prices in the 20 to $30 a megawatt range. So drastic, drastic uh, decrease in that decrease in that levelized cost of electricity, which is really great for the consumer because it means that we can have um, you know, carbon-free energy choices at a at a cost that is uh, that is commensurate with uh, with the market. Um, and then, of course, there's just the digital transformation that's that's well underway right now. And if I think about you know even internally over that same period of time, you know, we were identifying challenges that may have existed in in how a particular asset was operating through you know simple you know threshold-based analytics. So, is there a temperature change? Uh, that's that's happening within a certain component. And today we're really looking at artificial intelligence to process high frequency data and use images uh, from different inspection capability in order to really hone in on specific anomalies that may be occurring several months in advance in order, again, to really optimize that performance to make sure that we're utilizing um, the capability in the field, that we're ensuring we have the right part with the right tool, um, at the optimum time in order to make sure that energy is available for the customer when they need it. So already quite a significant transition in digitalization going on in G renewables, clearly. Um, maybe taking a slightly wider point now, if we can, Brian, um, at DLA Piper, when we looked at this area a couple of years ago in the energy sector, uh, we identified sort of three main areas, I think, and you, you often see other people talking about this as well. It's the three Ds decentralization, decarbonization, and digitalization. Um, how easy is it for companies to get their heads around all these topics? Uh, I mean, this is, this is a huge, huge problem. Uh, I mean, when you think about, you know, the enormity, especially for a global company, um, uh, to, to really tackle. Um, you know, I think the good news is, is that, uh, you know, companies are starting to form kind of their strategy around each of those. Um, and, and it's really going to be a long-term journey. I mean, I think if we think about all that's going to be required to come together from people, process, technology, and policy um, in order to enable all these things to come forward, it's, it's, it's going to be um, a lot of partnerships that need to be formed, as well as um, really, a lot, in some cases, a lot of patience in order to kind of work through all of those challenges um, you know, across those three, three big areas. Um, I think governments play a critical role in this um, because we really are going to need supporting policy frameworks in order to um, really drive um, decarbonization uh, forward. Um, markets will need to be reshaped in order to ensure that the right price signals exist, especially as technology continues to evolve. And we think about the opportunity that could be available at the distributed grid, the advent of electric vehicles as they become uh, more ubiquitous. And... Um, 
and even down, you know, in terms of how how household appliances may be operating. I mean, I think understanding how those price signals could really transform, um, you know, decarbonization at scale, um, you know, is going to be a, a really big challenge for kind of those policies and those market signals to, to be put together. Um, and then you really look at digital as kind of being a key enabler for all of those things and, and kind of stitching a lot of those com- components together. Um, and, and of course, it'd be hard, especially when you talk about the context of, of digitalization, you know, just to not mention COVID and, and kind of all of the challenges. And you opened up the, the podcast with this, um, you know, but we've sort of been thrust into, um, into you know, a, a digital transformation um, around the world. Uh, where everybody had to go remote and figure out a new way to to work and ensure that critical infrastructure was up and running. Um, and I would just say at GE, we've been really fortunate that we were kind of already on our digital journey um, before, you know, before uh, COVID uh, occurred. Um, and I think that really set us up for success for managing through a lot of the challenges that we that we saw of trying trying to operate these critical assets where where now everybody is dispersed and you got to think about how uh, you can get everything that the you know the field technicians and and our respective teams are going to need in order to keep that critical infrastructure operating. I like that about digitalization really stitching together the other two Ds: decarbonization and decentralization. Um, one bit I'm quite interested on, and it's probably a topic for a, a separate podcast, but before we move on, decentralization and distributed energy and having a decentralized grid, what, what would your vision be for the future of that? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, it's really interesting when you think about, you know, how this could unfold. And, and if you draw a parallel to other markets, whether it's, you know, the transportation industry or even retail, you know, you can you could envision a world where, um, where energy is is really um, traded in, in almost peer to peer networks, um, where where devices, appliances, supply and demand are all managed um, in real time and, and really turned over to the fingertips of of really the user um, of, of those assets and, and that uh, you know that respective supply and and of course demand. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, you know, it'd be interesting to to think about. The ubiquity of of battery storage and and what that could mean for um, you know for the energy transition at large, but I think that also presents you know huge challenges that that can't be underestimated. If you just think about you know the security that would be required in order to make sure that that critical infrastructure is up and running, uh, we're widening sort of the surface of attack, and you got to make sure that you keep uh, the grid up and and running, um, you know to to ensure that society can continue to function. So um, it doesn't come without its, uh, its, without its challenges. Um, and, and I think it's going to be really interesting as we look at the continued um, decline in, in, again, levelized cost of electricity and, and kind of what that's going to mean for the growth of, uh, of renewable energy um, in, in sort of the energy transition that we're in right now. Yeah, I think it's fascinating to look at how quickly things will change, um, particularly on the decentralized grid and um, storage capacity. Okay, so let's change tact a little bit now. Um, There's been a lot of press around G's Halliade X turbine. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And what sort of um, role did digitalization play in the advances you've made there? Well, I, you know, I would just say at at G Renewable Energy, we're we're immensely proud of the great work of our offshore engineering team in in bringing that product to market. I mean, it's really a cutting edge 14 megawatt, you know, wind turbine um, operating, you know, hundreds of kilometers off the coast. 
Um, and, and of course, it's brought to market at a time where we're seeing significant growth in the segment. So um, it's really a great product that we're, we're excited about. Um, you know, as the company launched that product, uh, one of the things that the that engineering team and those operations team in our offshore business had to think about was just the challenge of servicing those uh, those assets, again, hundreds of kilometers uh, off the coast. So they launched the Stay Ashore program. And, and that's where my team is, is partnered with them um, to really look at how we can kind of reduce that cost and make sure that we can, you know, improve um, the sensoring capability to, to get uh, data that's going to be critical to predicting when there could be challenges or opportunities to optimize performance, um, understanding, um, you know, how we can then use that new data to, to have an aggressive build out of digital twin capabilities to kind of model um, the performance of those assets again to drive predictability. Because um, the more that you can predict, the more that you can start to group activities together and minimize the amount of time that uh, that a technician has to spend out on a boat in order to go, um, you know, out to 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 see and service those uh, those those wind turbines. And then, and then, of course, the idea of remote troubleshooting. So the more that you can do that troubleshooting from a remote operating center versus, um, you know, versus, again, having to go to sea um, is immensely valuable to the customer and, of course, the, the ultimate consumer because it, it all drives uh, that reduced uh, levelized cost of electricity. So, again, a great partnership, uh, a, a phenomenal product that is, that is coming to market and is seeing a lot of commercial success. Um, and hopefully it will mean great things for, for our offshore business going forward. Yeah, it's, it, it's really impressive. And I, I honestly can't believe how big turbines are getting now. Um, you also you, you mentioned there a lot data. The amount of data is clearly immense. There's data for all sorts of things and to assist operators in lots of different ways. Um, for me, it seems kind of slightly overwhelming, all this data that they receive. How can operators cope with all this data? Yeah, it's it's really starts with having you know kind of a a good data strategy, and that's not just technology. I think whenever we talk about data, when we talk about digital, we spend a lot of time focusing on the technology itself. Um, but really, having as a company a good data governance model um, is is absolutely critical to success. And and I say that because the technology is available to create these immense data lakes with lots of lots of information that could be available at, at the fingertips of of the subject matter experts. But those data lakes can easily turn into data swamps if not you know if not correctly uh, managed and governed. And then, of course, you come with the challenges, and, and this is, you know, a challenge for, I would just say, the energy industry as a whole. A lot of the large-scale generators have been around for, uh, you know, decades. Um, because of that, they likely have, you know, significant uh, sort of legacy systems or, or technical debt that exists within, you know, their, their businesses. Um, so, so thinking through kind of how they're going to make the transition to cloud how they're going to enable some of these data governance models um, and and reduce that technical debt um, effectively without jeopardizing you know kind of how the business operates day to day is is going to be essential. And uh, I think the companies that do this well will be winning companies in the future. I think you know data is is really kind of the the new um, you know new uh, value creator. And uh, and I think the ones that emerge, uh, whether new or or uh, some of the legacy companies, uh, will be those that, that can really do this well. 
Okay, maybe moving slightly away now from um, data, uh, an area that I do find fascinating is the, the sort of link between cybersecurity, um, data ethics, and being a sustainable business. So, uh, you know, ESG is really prominent now, and it's easy to forget actually that having a resilient, stable business, be protecting yourself from cyber risks, actually, that's a key component of um, performing well within a sustainable and, you know, an e- from an ESG perspective um how how does it ge get involved in helping companies manage that aspect of sustainability and the cyber risks and the use of data so data ethics you know and really timely um that you mentioned this because if and again i'll just look specifically um you know kind of the, the press recently within within the united states um but there are really two big two big incidents that occurred uh one with a water treatment plant you know in the state of Florida another one with the colonial pipeline and you can just you know that becomes front page news and um you know companies really want to try to to avoid that um and not only that but it sends shockwaves through the market um in terms of how how customers will will respond how the market will respond um so security is critical to how energy assets operate um, it is critical infrastructure. It you know really enables global economies to operate. Um, so we really try to support our customers through a number of offerings. You know it really starts for us um, with the SCADA system um, to re- kind of reduce the surface of attack um, that uh, that a you know sort of bad actor could uh, could impose. Um, and we do this both through hardware and different software solutions. We need to make sure that we're compliant and our customers remain compliant with uh, with. NERC-SIP, which is uh, really a U.S.-centric policy, as well as IEC 62443, which is uh, really a global policy directive around um, how to secure assets. Um, and we re- want to help our customers stay up to date with, with their software um, uh, as it's operating within, within that asset, making sure that they have all the right patches. We work with them across different network infrastructure um, to achieve really the security and compliance that aligns to their um, corporate policy uh, as well, because I think that's the other piece is that there's, um, there's various postures that different companies may take in terms of how they want to execute on their secure strategy, security strategy. Um, and, and really, it is a partnership between us and the customer in order to, to, uh, um, to build out the solution that is not only going to be compliant to the regulations, but also aligned to their, to their corporate policies. I agree with you. Um, the corporate policies are, are, are really key too. Um, maybe going back actually to linking both points that we've discussed today. So we see decentralized grid as being absolutely essential to the energy transition. Um, does that does that bring this sort of cyber attack, um, you know, secure data? It, it, does that become more of a problem? Yeah, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I, I think that uh, there's a tremendous opportunity that's available through decentralization in terms of um, you know resiliency, um, especially as we think about the you know potential effects of climate change or just with with aging infrastructure. Um, but with that, you know, comes that challenge of of security and and. The more assets you have, the wider the the sort of surface of attack, as I was mentioning earlier. Um, you know, this this can definitely create a challenge for uh, for the industry that will that will have to work through in order to secure that. So, um, you know, how far this goes in terms of that vision, I was you know highlighting earlier. You know, as we get down to potentially the appliance level or the vehicle level and different charging stations, um, you know, will increase the complexity. Um, but, but it's definitely a key focus area for the industry right now, as we think about, you know, again, how to main, ensure that we maintain, you know, a secure operating infrastructure. 
what I'm really interested to know is how how fast these things are likely to ha- to happen. Um, there's been such a scale of pace in in changes recently. What what do you think is going to be the biggest change you expect to see in digital transition in by say 2030? Yeah, I think this this um, this decade is really going to be about um, improving the operations of the asset itself, um, and, and with that, really kind of the the spread of different assets that exist uh, in in the marketplace. I think we're we're getting in the advent of of really how to manage uh, the transition from centralized generation at the and that's managed at the transmission level down to distributed level assets and, and really what does that mean in terms of orchestrating those assets in real time and there's really a lot of great um, really new technology that's emerging um, both that's being worked on by my colleagues over at G digital as well as you know other companies that exist in the market that really help with kind of that energy orchestration um, so I think this decade will really um, one focus on optimizing those those transmission level assets to perform at their highest level and we'll and again we'll start to see you know kind of that transition to the distributed side and and really the enabling technology that's at, at a commercial scale um, that's really going to uh, to drive that growth uh, in the in the future interesting uh, what about beyond so if you had to look forward by a couple more decades what what do you think the digital transformation will be then? You know, and I've mentioned this a few times. I think you know the ubiquity of batteries um, is is going to be really interesting um, at the you know at the kind of substation level, um, the centralized level, um, residential, the 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 spread of electric uh, vehicles. A lot of companies, uh, automobile manufacturers, have committed to you know going to 100% renew, uh, EV by 2035, um, and and with that, I think you're just going to see kind of these mobile power plants. Um, that that exist around the world, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that emerges and kind of that that peer to peer landscape that I had highlighted earlier, and then and then you think about just supply and demand management around the intelligence of being able to uh, to charge and discharge at the right time uh, with all of these uh, these new um, again sort of mobile power plants, and uh, and then back to you know kind of the appliance landscape and, and being able to have appliances that that take smart signals. Um, or industrial processes uh, that that take signals from the market and and make decisions, um, you know, in real time in terms of whether to operate or to uh, to postpone those operations until a more a more optimal time uh, where where it's more cost efficient or or uh, fits more with the supply demand curves in in the market. It is really crazy um, what an impact the digital technology has had and how quickly it changes. Um, it doesn't feel um, that long ago to me that I was using a BlackBerry and what the world has changed so much since then. Um, Brian, I like to ask all my guests on the podcast this last question. Um, are you hopeful for the future? Well, I would say I'm, I'm really hopeful. Uh, it, we'll just start off with this summer because, uh, you know, we're coming out of COVID. And uh, this is really the first time that, that many of us around the world are going to have the, uh, the opportunity to take, a, you know, a holiday or a vacation um, so, so really hopeful about that. Um, uh, my whole family is excited to, to get out of the house a little bit. And, uh, and then you just look at kind of the, the you know, at a, at a larger scale, um, you know, the, the larger renewable energy transition that's underway, the three themes that you mentioned around, you know, kind of, uh, decarbonization and, and digital trans, uh, transformation that's occurring, um, you know, in the sector, there's a lot of capital that's flowing. That's really driving a lot of growth to answer some of those big problems. 
Um, so it really is a, an exciting time to be in the energy industry as we go through this transition. Um, so it r- leaves me very hopeful about the, the, the future. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Brian. I've enjoyed our chat. Uh, it's clear to me, digital technology is all around us, but it is easy to forget just how important um, it is, as, a, as you described it, the enabler for the energy transition. So thanks for pointing out some of the opportunities that we've got to look forward to, but also the risks we need to bear in mind. This just leaves me to say thanks for listening. Please catch us again next time when we're asking, what should we expect from COP26? Please subscribe to the series at dlapiper.com forward slash ENR or via your usual podcast platform. (laughs) 